Well, today is the last of our two-part series on the destruction caused by pornography. As we mentioned last week, statistics reveal that up to 70% of men in the church are watching porn on a regular basis, and up to 33% of women in the church are also watching regularly. Please be advised that this is a topic that is for mature audiences only, and it may not be suitable for those under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. All right, well, welcome back to Behind the Mic, Conversations of Hope. I am so glad you're here. We are in the second episode of two episodes, and we're talking about the topic of pornography. Um, this past week, we spoke with a former porn star, Brittany De La Mora. She shared what it was like in the porn industry, how that made her feel. Um, really a, a unique perspective for all of us to understand. Today, we're going to look at the other side of that, and we're going to talk about um, porn addiction. We're going to talk about how it affects individuals, how it, how it affects families and marriages, and how it just trickles down to everything in our lives. And so I want to introduce to you a couple that I just recently met, and I'm so excited to talk to them. They've got a great story, Emmanuel and Becca uh, Garino. And um, guys, I want to thank you so much for being here. Um, I know that this is a, not an easy topic to discuss, but I know that you have a heart to share this to help other families. So thank you for joining us today. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for having mm -hmm. us. Yes. Absolutely. Well, let's start with um, here's the here's the really cool thing is I'm going to know your story just as quickly as the listeners do, because I don't know very much about it, but I know that you guys have a ministry going. I know that you have had a um, a challenge, a big challenge for, for both of you and your marriage. And um, so why don't you guys share, and if I have any questions, I'll just jump in and interrupt you and ask. But um, again, thanks for being here. Let's, let's hear what you guys have to say, because I know you have a message for our listeners and our watchers. Absolutely. Well, I'll kind of share my story, and then you share your perspective, and then we can kind of yeah. intertwine them at the end. I think that'll work. Yeah. yeah. So for us, um, you know, or myself, rather, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my story starts all the way back to when I was a kid. And when I was growing up very young, my parents noticed I wasn't uh, necessarily doing that well in school. They're like, uh, he can't read. He's not talking that much. Uh, he's not doing too hot. So I went to um, a specialist a doctor here in Arizona, and they pretty much said he's got dyslexia, he's got short-term memory, he's got ADHD. You know, your son is what we, you know, pretty much call an idiot in the doctor's world, uh, to put it lightly, you know, and it was like, that was very, very tough as a child. And, you know, at that time, you know, ADD was just starting to become a thing. And so I was on every different medication that there was out there. And as a young kid, that really affected my self-esteem, whether I knew it or not just having to take medications to be normal, to be, you know, not who I normally am. I need this thing to be liked, to be accepted. And whether I understood that or not, I really internalized that uh, deep down inside. But overall, I had a very good childhood uh, for the most part. And when I went to high school, I was the big basketball star at the school. And my game plan was, I'm going to be in the NBA, make millions and zillions of dollars, and live happily ever after. Uh, we obviously know what happened there. Uh, I graduate. I did not make it to the NBA. And I remember I graduated high school, and I'm kind of that classic, you know, uh, guy who peaked in high school. I'm living in my parents' basement, and, you know, I don't have a job. I'm not going to school. 
And they said, you know, if you want to live here, you got to go get a job. Uh, you got to go to school. You got to do something. And so I begrudgingly went. And, you know, I'm at the community college. All my other friends are out there doing big stuff and, you know, uh, going out and making something of their lives. And for me, I'm there in community college. I'm flunking out. And at the time I was dating, you know, a girl here, a girl there. And, you know, when things would get kind of hot and heavy, um, you know, because, you know, I was just uh, really, really struggling in the bedroom, let's just say. And it was a really, really tough thing on the psyche. Um, you know, and obviously growing up Christian, I would always kind of wrestle with that of saying, well, you know, I'm having trouble with ED, but I shouldn't be having sex anyway. But, you know, I kind of got caught in this trap. And then what started to happen was, and I apologize, when I was in high school, I got handed the iPhone. And uh, that was kind of new mm. at that time. And so I started going to porn to kind of fix that pain that was going on in my life. Because I said, you know, I'm not supposed to be having sex with girls. So I'm not having sex with girls. I'm just watching it on a screen. So that's better somehow. Right. And I said, you know, it, there's no problems here. So when I'm in college, I'm living in the parents' basement. I start flunking out of school. Uh, I start drinking a lot. I start, you know, smoking a lot of weed. And I remember at my lowest point, I was leaving uh, class one day. And I pull into a parking lot. And, you know, I just put my head on the steering wheel. I'm crying my eyes out. And I just look up and I see this big building in front of me. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's Bank of America building over Mesa. And I'm considering jumping off that building. Now, obviously, I didn't jump off that building. I came home. I talked to my dad about what was going on. And he really kind of gave me a good pep talk to kind of get me back in a good place. And I was able to turn a lot of things around in my life on the professional side, on the business side. And um, then I met the love of my life which was really, really amazing. I met Becca, and I knew very quickly this is who I wanted to marry. Now, when we were uh, first dating, things were going really, really well. It was awesome. It was like this fairy tale. There's no problems at all. I'm like, this is great. And so I asked her to marry me, and uh, you know, before the wedding starts, I go, okay, well, 90 days before the wedding, I'm gonna quit porn. Then it's 60 days before the wedding, I'm gonna quit porn. 30 days, one week, and then it's the night before, and I can still remember that scene that I looked up. Now, flash forward to the wedding. It's this beautiful wedding. Becca, the angel she is, walks down the aisle. I'm crying my eyes out. I'm so excited. But when we went to the honeymoon suite that night, I couldn't perform. And I wasn't even close. It wasn't like, you know, it was just nothing going on there. And it was so challenging because I loved Becca so much, and I wanted to give her this gift, but I just couldn't do it. And so the next morning when we woke up, when she woke up, I didn't sleep a wink that night, and I don't think she slept much that night, I got down and I just said, Becca, I have a huge porn problem and I don't know how to handle this. Now, Becca took that information as well as she could, but what are you supposed to do when you hear that the day of your wedding, the day after your wedding? I mean, that's, yeah. that's incredibly, incredibly difficult. So. Our plan at that time was let's go ahead, let's slide this under the rug, and let's just not talk about it. Let's just assume it's going to go away. And we said, okay. So as you know, uh, it doesn't go away just by sliding it under the rug. And our first few years of marriage on the outside, things were going really, really well. Uh, we got into real estate. We were making a lot of money. By the time we were, I was 28, you know, we were millionaires. And, you know, it was like, this is really, really great. 
but I had a huge imposter syndrome going on from that low self-esteem from when I was a child. And it just kept manifesting out in anger and paranoia and all these things. And I was using alcohol and weed and overeating and of course porn to just kind of subdue those feelings. But at the house, I mean, it was tough. I mean, I was angry all the time. I was paranoid all the time. And I was kind of a monster to live with. I'll let Shara, I'll let Becca share her yeah, we'll side of story. Side yeah, she's going to share her second. story. Don't worry. <laughs> but when it all came to a head was uh, during COVID. I remember, you know, that night pretty darn well, because I just had finished, you know, my second bottle of wine, you know, a couple of weed gummies, and I was going to the bathroom to go jerk off. And Becca says, hey, let's go have some sex. And this is how screwed up my mind was. I was upset with Becca that she was saying, let's go have sex, because I'm going, oh, man, I want to go jerk off. Mm, and yeah. so we go to the bedroom, and we're trying to get things going, and it's not working. And so I'm getting upset, and you know she's kind of getting restless with it. And then I just start screaming at her and telling her that she's the problem. She's the issue. And you know she's the one to, to blame. And I remember she's, you know, crying her eyes out. I leave the room. I storm out. I go sit down, you know, on the living room couch. And I'm just sitting there. And I just, I just start talking to God. And I can just hear him talking back to me. And he's going, Manny, this path you're going down is a path of death and destruction. And I can give you a chance right now, but you've got to step up and you've got to take this opportunity. And I thought about it in the moment. I said, God, you've blessed me with a house, cars, uh, you know, a little bit of fame, money, the most amazing, beautiful wife. And I'm still not satisfied. And I've just been buying into these lies that addiction has been telling me of happiness is right around the corner. It's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. And it's not. And God just told me, he said, you just got to have one moment, one moment of strength and vulnerability. Go in there and ask for help. And so I got up from the couch, I walked in there and I just said, Becca, I am so sorry, but I have a huge problem and I need help. I love you more than this problem. I cannot handle this own, on my own and I need your help in this time. And this time she said, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. Now, when that happened, we didn't know you know, exactly what to do. We didn't know up from down. We didn't know left from right. We did some things sure. really, really well, and we did some things not so well. Mm -hmm. And as we were going through the process, we just said, you know, we don't want anyone to ever have to feel the way that we did going through this process. And we want to make this, you know, if we can share our story and help at least one couple, you know, then this will all have been worth it. So we started reading on addiction. We started reading on, you know, how to overcome, you know, porn and just educating ourselves on how to do this properly. Because we just said, you know what, we want to share this with as many people as we can because we knew that we were not the only people going through this. And so flash forward, we learn how to do it. I am so proud to say that our marriage is so, so much stronger than it has ever been. We have joy, we have intimacy, we have happiness. We have so much love. And I'm so incredibly grateful for Becca that she was there for me in the time mm -hmm. because I absolutely could not do it alone. And I really felt that there was nowhere to turn. And I know that so many other men feel that exact same way. They just say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I need help, but there's no one I can turn to with this because there's so much shame around it. There's so much evil around this and there's just nothing I can do. And my story is just a story of there is hope. There is a way, there is a solution. 
And really that happiness and that freedom is on the other side of that vulnerable moment that you just got to have. Now, I want Becca to share her side of the story because I I know she has, you know, her end. But I just want to say thank you again for just being there and loving me. Hmm. Before we go there, wow, I I have lots of questions that as I'm sitting here listening to you say it, to tell us all of this i'm I'm watching becca and um pretty remarkable that you're where you are um not a lot of women hang in there um i want to go back though how old were you uh emmanuel when you were married i was was 24 i was 24 24. there you go she's better with dates (laughs) yeah yeah same here uh, so 24, and you're struggling with something that commercials on TV are talking about for older guys. That's pretty oh, yeah. typical. That's pretty typical. I know that because of of what I do at Covenant Eyes, and I see statistics. I, I hear stories. That's very common, um, but it's not something we talk about. We don't even talk about the problem of pornography, let alone talking about the effects of it. So uh, I, I have to commend both of you, first of all, Emmanuel, to, to be able to say, um, this has got to change. This is a big problem. And for Becca, for you to hear that on your wedding night of all nights, did you have any clue before that? Did you see any signs at all that led you to believe that maybe something was going on with Emmanuel? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I... You know, I would say not specifically with Emmanuel, but I grew up in the church as well. And I dated people when I was in high school. And I actually had a couple of boyfriends early on when I was, you know, 14, 15. And they're telling me that they are struggling with pornography. And Mm -hmm. when I'm 14 years old, I hadn't watched anything. Mm -hmm. I, full disclosure, I did struggle with this a little bit in college, but it was never ever on an addiction type of level or super compulsive. Sure. sure. But but I had heard about this and had boyfriends tell me that this was an issue for them when I was very, very young. And yeah. so just the idea of somebody struggling with that was not new to me. And um, you know, so when he told me I couldn't say I was like shocked, but Yeah, I don't think there was a lot of um, reason for me to think that way because also in college, like, it was something that I struggled with a little bit. And when we got together, I was just like, well, of course, I'm done with that. I'm putting it aside because Mm -hmm. I I don't need that. I'm I'm in a healthy relationship. I'm happy. You know, I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. searching for that elsewhere. So I just kind of assumed, which a lot of my mistakes were assumptions, but I assumed that, hey, he's probably doing the same. Like, yeah, he probably watched something before. But, you know, especially with our age group, you know, because like Manny said, it was like yeah. iPhones came out when we were in high school. Parents didn't, you know, they didn't know about covenant eyes. There was no like yeah. all the things that there are now to help protect phones. It's like you see something once you get hooked and you start having this habitual routine building from the time where you're so young. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm going off track here, but no, I no, didn't I wanna, totally anticipate it. Yeah. And I, and I want to, it seems like we just keep, I could go down rabbit trails here and I, I don't want to try to stay focused, but another thing that you mentioned and, and it's, it was a new concept to me 
uh, when I started at Covenant Eyes that 33%, roughly 33% of women in the church watch porn regularly. Now, uh, especially for those who are my age and older, they kind of go, what? That's got to be wrong. What did you see in college, though? Um, at your age now, there's there's clearly an age difference between us. Um, you guys, are a beautiful young couple, and uh, what what was it like for you as a female in college? Was that pretty widespread? Was it pretty normal, or was were you kind of like also dealing with the secrecy? Uh, what did that look like for you? It's it's such a weird thing, just porn in general, because I feel like it's it's so mainstream. And it's so like, you know, you watch Friends and it's like so many episodes now watching as an adult back. I'm like, wow, this points to pornography all of the time and normalizes it. So like on that level, it's very normalized. But then when you're talking to people, it's like you may not even have a conversation with your closest friends, especially as a woman, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know guys struggle with you know being so sexual and guys struggle with porn and it's like women don't struggle with that women no right so if you struggle with it it's like oh my gosh yeah you don't even want to talk about it with your with your friend like you you don't even want to say anything especially being a christian too because it's like i know this is wrong and it's like doubly wrong because i'm a a woman so Yeah, and I think that's the point I wanted to make is it is it's hard for us, uh, most of us, I think, to understand that this covenant eyes says this is not a man problem. This is a human problem. Um, We all have we're built differently, male and female. We're built differently, but we do have those desires that God put in us that are good. They're natural. They're healthy. Um, But as he does so well with everything that God created good, Satan twists and perverts Mm -hmm. everything. And you can go down the line to anything that's good. We can look at food. We can look at drink. We can look at you name it. Uh, he perverts it. So uh, yeah. I was just curious as to what it looked like, because that's a struggle for those of us who are older and didn't have the iPhone uh, in high school and in college. Um, you know, we had to go to a store and be bold enough to say, I take that, you know, and in front of people. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and now, uh, you know, I, I do this all the time, but now it's simply uh, it's in your pocket wherever you go. You're carrying around access to porn. And um, so all that to say, um, I'm, I'm interested to hear, Becca, what your perspective on all of this was. Um, I think you set the stage a little bit in saying that you understood it. You knew that it was an issue and it wasn't this blindside completely. Um, yeah. So tell us your perspective on, on what Emmanuel just shared with us. Yeah. So for me, again, like I just shared, I I had that understanding and it wasn't like completely surprising to me. But obviously when, yeah, when you get told on your wedding night mm-hmm. or the, the morning after I have a problem with porn and it's serious, it's just like, <laughs> well, this is not what I imagined, you know, it's like, right. oh, I've been dreaming about my wedding night for since I was a young girl. And it's just like, wow, like reality is not matching up to, yeah, you know, what I wanted to post on Instagram or yeah. what I wanted to share with people. It's like I I felt really embarrassed, you know, in that moment of just being like, 
oh my gosh, this is not normal. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be. And so really when he told me at that point, I would say I'm a very understanding person in general. And so it's like, I want to be there for you. That's my first instinct is like, okay, like I, I want to be there for you. But that didn't make it easy. And I was also, if I knew then what I know now, I would have behaved so differently. But in those first few months of our marriage where it was kind of like, he's trying to lean on me with this and, you know, he's asked for help I just was not in a place at that time to be able to help him I didn't know what that looked like I didn't know what yeah. to do and I was just kind of like yeah you figure it out like this is not lining up it was just the shattering it was like God just shattering my expectations of like things are gonna mm. be perfect because I'm, I'm very optimistic naturally and I'm just like this is not what I wanted. I didn't want to deal with this. I I don't know what to do. And so, like Manny was saying, you know, we really just swept it under the rug for those f first few years. And I was just like, again, the tape that I was playing in my head was like, I get it. Like, I struggled too, and I just got over it. So, like, you just need to get over it. You know, I wasn't yeah. realizing how bad it was for him. Um, at that time. And so sweeping it out of the rug had a lot of consequences, though, for our relationship because because it was this hidden thing and it was this thing that I didn't want to talk about because when we talked about it, it was real. Mm -hmm. And um, but in the back of my mind, you know, it, it totally affected it derailed really our our sex life, to be honest, because in the back of my mind, I'm always wondering, like, are you comparing me to a porn sure. star right now? Yeah. Would you rather be watching porn right now than, you know, having sex with me? You, 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 there's all these different things that, you know, we're running around in the background and I just tried to pretend like nothing's wrong and he's just, it's going to fix itself. You know, just that was my assumption at that time. So, so fast forward, I mean, those first few years, there was a lot of anger, a lot of um, paranoia like Manny was talking about. And that was really tough to deal with. It was almost like, you know, walking around like, and it was just little yeah. landmines, like just yeah. knowing, mm, oh my yeah. gosh, if I say or do this thing, you know, he's going to blow up. And it it's not until looking back that I realized so much of that was coming from the porn addiction. And that it, a lot of these issues that were happening in our marriage were stemming from that. And so really when he, when he confided in me, when it was COVID and he came to me that second time, you know, again, which I just commend him for having the strength to, to do that and to ask for help. Cause that, that is totally a, a sign of strength. I think to be like, Hey, I need to lean on you. I need help. Um, I, was much more ready for it. And I had seen what sweeping under the rug got us mm -hmm. and the ramifications that happened from it. And I was like, I am going, I'm not going to mess this up again. I, I want to be a part of your journey to healing. And that did not make it easy at all. It was still completely difficult. I remember, you know, many times just, uh, 
like breaking down on the bathroom floor and just crying and just, yeah. you know, being so sad. Cause it's like, I feel heartbroken that you've been doing this for years and, um, you know, it creates a lot of insecurity for women going, you know, like that's the comparison. Like, how am I ever going to live up to these comparisons and these non reality, like this fantasy, you know, it's like, I'm not a fantasy, I'm reality. And so it was really, really challenging. And I, I remember just looking on Google for like, resources for women, uh, for wives who are wanting to support their husbands. And literally everything I was finding was so negative and it was so shaming of men. It was like, basically your husband's a dog. There's a 3000% chance he's cheating on you. Or if he hasn't, he's going to, and all, all this negativity. And it's like, go tell him to fix the problem on his own or, Regardless, it was just so, so negative. And to me, I go, I just felt in that moment, I was like, this doesn't sit well with me. This isn't right. Um, I don't want to shame Manny. I understand that this is such, this isn't just him. He's not like some demon, some evil person. It's like Satan has such a grip on our society mm-hmm. and especially our age group where it's like, That's right. Manny's been struggling with this since he was 15. And so I kept having to remind myself, like, this is not about me. This is not about my flaws or that I'm not pretty enough or anything. I'm like, this is a habit loop that was created long before we were together. And I think that's the case for a lot of millennial couples right now where, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, it has nothing to do with you. It's just that this thing is so evil and it's so addictive and it's being promoted as this positive and, Oh, Hey, you know, spice up your sex life, watch some porn. It's a good thing. And it is just deteriorating everything. So anyways, it was, it was a really, really tough first few months and I felt so alone, Mm. so incredibly alone. And like, there was no one giving me permission um, to support my husband. Yeah. It was like, you should be shaming him. You should think he's a dog. Yeah. You should leave him. That's very much the sentiment. And that's what a lot of people do. And we know, um, numerous couples who have gotten, who've split up because of this issue. And I was just like, I want to be a leader, um, of just going the other way and just going, shame is not the answer. It's understanding, it's being there for your spouse, it's standing by their side. And like, it's like when you get married, you you want everything to be perfect. You want it to be just this fairy tale. And it's like, life isn't a fairy tale, but what I prayed for, sorry, getting emotional, but what I prayed for in that time was I was just like, God, please let something Hmm. good come out of this. Like I, in those moments, what kept me going was just thinking about, helping other wives in the future Mm. to have like a blueprint of what to do and how to help their spouse through this because it's like you can get through it there is hope and it's just like it's so looking back now like Mm. we've just had so much healing and in our relationship and it's so wonderful now it's like hardly something I ever think of 
outside of the fact that we're moving <laughs> forward, we're doing a business to help other couples with this. But like, oh. just between yeah. us two, it's become so not a thing. So I just, in those moments, I was just like, I, I believe that God is going to bring something good out of this. And every time you're presented with a challenge or a roadblock in your life, I think it uniquely mm -hmm. qualifies you to be able to help somebody else. And mm -hmm. so yeah. I just really yeah. leaned into that aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think as you say that, I'm thinking about uh, Joseph. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in the end, it was, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Um, I don't think either one of you would say, yes, I would be happy to go back and go through that all again. But you've been through it. You can look back and point the finger at one another, um, but you've decided to say, hey, you know, God did mean for this to be something something good to come out of this, and that's what you're doing with it. I do want to back up, and, and again, some, some questions here or some points to make. Um, first of all, before we talk about how you fixed it, how, how you changed and flipped that thing on its head, I want to talk uh, about uh, a couple of things. The one thing I want, I think, is really important to understand, you were, you were open-minded enough, and I don't necessarily like that term, but you were open-minded enough to say, kind of like the buck stops here. I'm not going to listen to what I'm seeing online. I know my husband. I know I love mm -hmm. him. We're going to get through this together. Because I would imagine at some point, probably both of you, numerous times, would just like be like, what did I get myself into? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like you said, we want the fairy tale marriage. Um, I think deep down, we all know we've seen marriages and we know they're not perfect. But uh, especially on your wedding night, I mean, you yeah. kind of have to have to think like, God, can't we get through at least one week of just joy and <laughs> celebration? Yeah. Um, you know, and so um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, what you both were going through, because it's easy to say, well, Emmanuel, you got yourself into this, you know, and now you're affecting me, but that's not what you did. That, that's, um, that's pretty amazing. And Emmanuel, for you to say, I need help. Um, both of those things, I think, are pretty elusive in marriages right now. I think the statistic is 56% of marriages um, end in divorce because one spouse is addicted to porn. Uh, I'm excited to hear how you guys turn that around because that's what we want our listeners and those who are watching to hear because if 70% of the church, the guys in the church, are watching porn regularly, this is happening in households all around the country. And people are struggling in secret. And I know that in churches, I just you know was thinking about this. We had a sermon two weeks ago. Um, on this topic of sexual immorality in general, and it, and it caused me to think of that statistic of 33% of women here are struggling with porn, and 70% of the guys sitting here are, are struggling with porn. And yet, on a normal Sunday morning, we all sit in our pews or in our chairs, and we listen to sermons, and we say an amen, and we get up and we leave, and nobody would know any different. And I think that's a part of our problem right now is you said you both talked about the shame and the secrecy. And if we can be bold enough to say, I have a problem, um, that's the first step. Uh, our, our society, you said it in college, our society, even our churches are not open to that. 
And I think that's something we need to change. Um, so I would like for you guys to go ahead and share anything else you want to share. And then let's hear how, how it went from this point on to where you're at today. Well, you know, what's interesting talking about the church when we share that we were doing this business and we'd share it to our Christian friends or non-Christian friends. When we shared it to the Christian friends, it was kind of like, oh, that's, uh, that's something that's, uh, ooh, that's interesting. And we're like, okay, next topic. And it's literally maybe one yeah. question it's done. Yeah. They never bring it up. We've seen them 10 times after that. We never talk about it. It's like, what's yeah. going on? We used to talk about our old business all the time, but nothing on this. But when we talk to people who are outside of the church and we bring it up, they go, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's a huge problem. I know 10 couples who are struggling with that right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a huge problem. And yeah. so as a, the Christian church, I know for me, one of the things I rationalize, and I don't mean to shame, I just mean to you know, get sure. real yeah. for a second, yeah. is that you know, when it comes to porn, I think in the church, um, you know, as a man who watched, watched that, I said, I'm better than everyone else. I'm better than the people who are going out and getting prostitutes, and I'm better than the people going to the strip clubs. But if you just think about it for a second, and forget where I first heard this, but it was just such a powerful line. What is porn but filmed prostitution? I mean, you really think mm -hmm. about that for a second. And you go, what is porn but filmed prostitution? And then you go, all right, well, I'm not going to the strip clubs. All right, you know, I'm not doing that. Well, how is watching one woman with her top off worse than what you're watching of hundreds, if not thousands of women over this time, you know, do extreme sex acts? How is that yeah. better? Or how is that worse? You know? And so a lot of times we just say, well, it's this secret thing, it's private, it's one-on-one, -on -one, and it's so incredibly hard because everyone is walking around with porn in their pocket, with dopamine on demand, with all this access, and really to segue into how we started to overcome this, the very first thing we did was covenant eyes. And if you do not have it, Mike, I need you to give your promo code so you can get credit for this, but that is the absolute first thing you gotta do is you gotta get that on all your devices, and I'll talk about some little hacks to make sure you get you do it right. But you got to get Covenant Eyes on there because what that does, it blocks you out of the bad websites. It sends a report to that accountability partner saying, hey, they went to some sketchy websites and you got to bring it up and you got to talk this thing through. But what's so beautiful about that is that when you're struggling with this, you know, it, it's equivalent to, you know, putting an alcoholic say, hey, you got to work in the bar. You got to work the morning shift and the night shift. And we're going to have you sleep in the bar as well, too, by yourself. You know, and you're like come on, we wouldn't expect an alcoholic right. to be able to go through that. So why is this any different? So that's yeah. the very first thing is covenant eyes. And that was really the first step that we did. And it was just so amazing, just starting to take that out. And so that way that temptation level started to go down. Now, it doesn't end there though. And this is what's really, really important. And I think this is where people say, okay, now the problem's fixed. No, no, no. We have the safeguards around it. That's terrific. The first thing I did, I wanted to quit. But I was in such an addict state of mind that I said, okay, I don't have my phone. I don't have my computer. Let me go find something else that has access. So I go find an old computer. And the first thing that I had to do is I did the five second rule. And whenever you find that cheese, you know, quote unquote, bad term for it, but I found it. Oh, I have access to porn. I use the Mel Robbins rule. It's five, four, three, two, one. You just count down five, four, three, two, one, and you go. And I just went over to Becca and I just said, hey, I found this laptop. I need you to put, uh, you know, covenant eyes on this or just take care of this laptop. And then, you know, it's a laptop, you know, it's an old phone. And then all of a sudden you start finding Game Boys. And then one day the last, the last straw was I was in our car. We have a Tesla. And I noticed, oh, my gosh, there's Internet on this Tesla. 
And then I'm going, well, this was the first time where I said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's one thing if I got porn in my pocket. It's one thing if I got porn staring at me with the computer or on the TV or the Game Boy or something like that. But now I'm going, hold on, hold on. I'm going to be in my car. I'm going to have to drive to a place with public access internet. Then I'm going to watch porn in the parking lot. Then And now I'm going, hold on, hold on. This is so extreme. This is so over the top. This is so... And then the mind starts going, dude, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Seriously. And so I went to Beck and I just said, you know, can you just put that on? I don't ever want to put myself in that circumstance because even if you're an addict, at some point you're rational. At some point, you know, you get to that rational state of mind. And so that's the first part is you got to block those access points. One of the wives listening, block your phone. Okay, right here. You need to block your phone. Because he's going to go there potentially, okay? Block your computer, okay? <laughs> one of the things, Beck and I laugh about it, but one night um, we blocked some apps like Instagram. I have like a five-minute time limit or you know, just different ones. But I had to have her like unlock her phone or something. And guys, it shows you if you tried to log in and you got the wrong passcode. So like she knows. So don't even try, all right? And by the way, she did a different code. So it's like, you know, don't do something obvious. But it was just so amazing just taking away all those access points because then yeah. you get to the part of finding out, why do I want this thing so bad? And yeah. that was always the, the biggest struggle for me is I always thought this is about willpower. This is about willpower, willpower, willpower. And willpower is part of overcoming this, yeah. but that should not be your only defense. And I always like to use the analogy, imagine you're living in your house and there's 50 people trying to come kill you every day and you're just trying to live a normal life. And so your solution is, let me go get a machine gun, some, you know, machetes, grenades, you know, things like that. If that was your strategy, that should not be your strategy. That's a short-term strategy. First, you need to move out of that area where 50 people are trying to kill you, right? That'd be the first thing. That's putting on covenant eyes. (laughs) But the second part is you got to go, hold on. Why are there 50 people trying to kill me every single day? Why do I need to do that? Why are there people attacking me? And so finding out what's going on emotionally. And for me... I had always just been told my whole life, oh, you got an addictive personality. You got an addictive personality. You got an What does that even mean? Like no one could explain it. Well, why do I have an addictive personality? You know, what's going on there? And it wasn't until I found out that all addictions are a pain reliever. They're a pain reliever mm-hmm. from some emotion, some trauma, some thing that's going on. And now they've turned into a habitual chronic habit that you struggle to get out of it. First, maybe it was fixing the pain, but now you're just stuck in the loop and you just can't even get that's out right. of that thing. And one of the worst things with porn, people think they're too far gone. You know, they get into that habit loop. And Brittany De La Mora talked about it so well. She says, hey, at first, everybody's watching the vanilla stuff. Then it gets a little bit more. Hey, let me watch the teenager. And then all of a sudden, the teenager's got the pigtails in the porn that you're watching. Then all of a sudden, and this thing is so insanely dangerous because it sends you down. So for some people, they're going to watch some 10 some. For some people, they're watching something over here. But other people, they get into child pornography. And they're going, oh, my goodness. And their mind has just completely lost control. And they had no intention of going there. They had no anything. It's just all of a sudden the brain loves novelty and it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And they kept saying, I can stop at any point. I can stop at any point. I can. No, you can't. Right. That's the very first step is saying, I need help. I can't stop this thing on my own. I need to give my will over to God. I need him to help me through this thing. So the next part is once you get those access points, you got to find out where this is coming from emotionally. And for me, I just always felt, man, I just must be like, I'm super into sex and I'm super. No, it was just, that was kind of my drug of choice that I would just always go to. I always had it. I have porn in my pocket. Well, I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to look at it. I've been looking at it since I'm 15. So it's just very easy to be a pain reliever for me. And so 
for all the people listening and watching, if you're watching really, really, really weird stuff and you're going, I don't even like this stuff, but I want it, I need this stuff to get off, I want you just to take a big deep breath and there's a humongous, humongous chance you're not into any of that weird stuff. You're not into any of that. Your mind has just lost control and it's thrown you down that rabbit hole. One of the most beautiful things was once I stopped watching porn, Beck and I, when we'd have sex, you know, you, you have kind of a routine and the sex routine just kind of completely just started changing on its own to now it's about love and intimacy and connection. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. It's not, you know, just sex. It's no, it's about connection and just, yeah. it's so, so incredibly beautiful. And so I just want the people listening to understand that. And before I forget, I know this is on a lot of the guys' heads uh, right now. They're going, well, I, I could do this, but they're asking, do I have to show my search history to my wife? Because I really don't want to show my... No, that is not part of the steps. It's not, hey, here's the top 10 genres I'm into, and here's my top 50 porn stars, and here... That's not part of the process. One of the biggest things that Becca was talking about is we are focused on growth. We're not focused on shame. We're focused on getting better. We're focused on finding out what's going on. It's about love. It's about intimacy. It's about connection. And so I just want you to understand for anyone who's listening saying, I could do this, but I look, I'm too far gone. You're never too far gone. You are that's never right. too far gone. God is always there for you. So that's just kind of get the ball rolling. You got to get the covenant eyes. You got to find out what's going on emotionally. And you need to start having these conversations with your spouse because your spouse is with you 24-7. One of the challenges with an accountability partner is they don't live in your house and they don't live in your house at 3 a.m. in the morning You know when you get that urge. Your That's wife right. is there, right? She can be there to help you out. And so learning how to communicate with each other, learning how to be vulnerable is an incredibly, incredibly important part of this process. And then understanding that What's so tough about this is someone's getting off of alcohol, like both parties are happy that they're getting off of alcohol. Well, you've hurt your spouse by doing this. You need to understand that she's in pain. She's going through so much. You need to understand how to listen to her, how to support her and go through that process together because you're both grieving this process. It's a really, really yeah. tough thing. So understanding how to communicate. And then really the next part is just paying it forward. It's just helping that next generation. Once you've educated yourself on this, once you've seen what it's done for your life, and you realize how much of a grip porn has on our society, it's about paying that message forward and helping that next couple. And they help that next couple and the next couple and the next couple. And before you know it, we could change the world with this. But it all starts with that one moment of vulnerability. And then you just got to keep taking one step forward, one step forward, one step forward, and eventually you're going to get there. So Amen. I sorry I hogged the mic, but I wanted to make sure I shared that. <laughs> No, that's important. Uh, I was going to mention the same thing that Brittany talked about, that slippery slope. And it happens, she mentioned it happened with her in uh, in drug abuse and uh, how yeah. it related to porn as well. It, it's that way with so many sins. Um, but that's really an important uh, thing to talk about. I'm also going to plug next week's episode. We're going to be talking to Ann Graham Lotz. Um, and, and we we did discuss uh, just the country in general and, and how we've turned our back on God as, as a nation. And we brought up the, the pornography issue, and, and she mentioned that there are many pastors that she knows personally who are struggling with it or have struggled with it. This is a human problem. We cannot overlook it anymore. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. It's happening. You can drive down the street. And you can look statistically at how many people are affected by this and what it does to you. You've both talked about how it's affected your marriage, your relationships, and individually what it did to you. Um, 
Becca, what what can you tell the woman out there right now, maybe who doesn't even know? Maybe maybe she suspects that her husband is doing this. Maybe she's found him on a computer or on his phone, but they've not discussed it. Do you have any advice for the, the women out there who maybe even know? They know that this is an issue. What do you want to say to them? Yeah, I would I would say, you know, you want to think it's not my husband. It's not my issue that I'm going to have to deal with. You can see the statistics of like, you know, it, it, some statistics are crazy. And it's like 80% yeah. of people are kind of struggling with this, you know, yeah. different on different levels. But, um, you know, you just want to think it's not you. But I, I just think like our relationship has gotten so much better now healing mm. from this. And... I, you know, I would love to make it a movement, honestly, for women to uh, approach their husband and be like, hey, you know, I heard about this couple and they really struggled with this. And, you know, um, the husband told, confided in her that he had a porn problem and like, you know, nonchalantly being like, hey, I don't know if that's something you've ever struggled with, babe. But like, if that's something that you're struggling with, I want to be there for you. Because that is kind of that first thing that has to happen. It's like, yes, I can be understanding, but I can only be understanding if you let me in. If you let me be a part of that journey and, you know, let me let me help you. So it's like, if you can break down that barrier, because I do think so many men are like, my spouse will leave me. You know, yeah, there, there isn't hope I sure. can't share this. Yeah. And so it's just like, how can we break down that fear for men? I'm sorry, women, but we kind of got to step up and be like, hey, I'm there for you. When I said for better or worse, mm. I meant it. You mm. know, this is the worst part. It's like yeah. maybe you don't get to pick mm. what your worst thing is, but it's just like like you can be a difference maker. Like, and you don't if you don't know that your husband is struggling with this, hey, just mention it. Just just share our story and be like, hey, I heard this crazy story, you know, and, you know, if you know of anybody, you know, maybe they could be a resource to them, like just sharing it and not putting that pressure of like, because if you come at it, like, have you ever watched porn? Like, you know, super angry. It's like, that's not going to go well. Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, but <laughs> I just think that it's it's a hard thing. But when you view it from the perspective of like, I can be a leader, I can make change, I can, whether it's your spouse, or it's a friend or a family member, you know, just by speaking up and being understanding about it. It's like, we kind of have to shift that, that viewpoint and how women are viewing this and how they're supporting their husbands. And it's just like, that's what I want to do. I want to start a movement where women are understanding and two, it's like, it's not just men struggling, it's women too. But, yeah. you know, just breaking down that, that fear of, hey, they're going to leave me. It's like, I want to give the women out there permission to, to support their husband and go, there is a way for us to get through this and for us to have such an effect. It's like, you don't have to look far to hear of a story mm someone close to you or someone a friend of a friend that got divorced over this and it's just like a lot of times kids are involved and it right. is so detrimental like this one thing can spiral to be 
just so evil and breaking down our, our family structures. And it's like, hey, I know this is hard. I It was hard for me too, but I just, you can be a leader and you can make a difference just by being there for your husband with this with this struggle. So that's what I'd say to them. Yeah, that that's really good information. And um, yeah, I mean, and, and it's not easy. Um, I know you're not saying, you know, hey, just, just approach him and everything will be okay. It's just the start of a long, hard road, but it needs to be said, like you said. Um, I also want to mention, too, that, you know, you guys said uh, you were millionaires. You had it, had it all. Um, very similar story to Brittany. She, she had everything that you would think that she would ever need to be happy, but she was miserable. She was suicidal. Yeah. Emmanuel, you said the same thing. Um, yeah. There is a place inside of us. I say this a lot. There's a place inside of us that can only be filled by God. And when we try to fill it with other things, Satan ruins lives. Um, I also want to mention, too, and, and uh, it, this is important to understand, especially for the woman who's going to her husband, is uh, Covenant Eyes has resources. One of those I love is called Your Brain on Porn. And it, expl- mm-hmm. it explains exactly what you were going through, Emmanuel, and, and how you, you got to the point where you would rather look at porn than be with your wife. And right. that's normal. That's normal because you start building, your brain starts building a relationship with an image on a screen rather than a human being. That happens with the dopamine and all of the chemicals that your brain releases to make you feel the way you do. It is a tactic by the enemy to get you right where you want you. And um, so I encourage any listeners or those watching, I'll put that put that on the show notes um, to make sure you can get a hold of my brain on porn, your brain on porn, um, to help explain the uh, the physiological part of that, because it's real. It's not just a matter of willpower, as you mentioned before. Emmanuel, any last words about this? Well, you know, really... When we were going through this, we just felt God putting on our heart, you know, with all the details going on, we were offered a lot of money at the company that we were working at. And just God was just saying, you need to walk away. You need to step up and face this thing head on. And we realized that he was doing that because he said, you know what? We need someone who's going to be vulnerable, who's going to say, I'm the face of this, right? I'm the face. Look at me. You know, I'm the porn guy. And it's like, oh, man, you know, I, I remember when God was telling me that I could feel it on my heart. And he, when we were in that uh, job opportunity, he didn't tell us what that thing was going to be that we were going to help all those couples with. And then he just said, you got to walk away from the opportunity and I'll tell you. And so we said, all right, we'll do it. And then when he told us, I'm like, oh man, are you sure, are you sure you didn't say insurance? What about real estate? What about, you know, and it's like, nope, he's loud and clear. And we said, okay, God, we're here for you. And, you know, you've heard back a story, you know, it's just a story of hope, of healing connection of love, intimacy, and happiness, you know, what we're so passionate about is going through this together. Because for so long, it was just, it's a guy's problem. In our program, what we're all about is going through it as a team, because you're so much stronger as a team. That's right. And so we educate both sides on what's going on in the mind. Why did it get to this point? How to communicate with each other, how to have a better environment, healthier lifestyle, and how to start paying this thing forward. Because you are so much stronger together, whether you want to or not, you're in this porn battle. 
And you don't get to choose if you're going to fight. You can only choose if you're going to fight for good or for evil because we're all yeah. involved in this thing. And there's so much more we can dive into just the destructive nature of porn. But we this this it's so weird as a society because this is brand new. Nobody is like this was not a thing 50 years ago, 100 years That's ago, right. even 20 years ago. It's really 20 years ago is when this thing started really, really ramping up. And this is something that we got to step up because if we do not, oh my goodness, the kids who are getting phones at, and That's I right. believe you said the stat on last week's show. So, uh, oh my gosh, what was it? One out of 10 porn users is under the age of 10, 10 was 10? it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that age keeps but, dropping. Yeah. It's yeah. Insane. But, yeah. you know, to finish the point is just, we want you to be able to go through this together, to be stronger. We want you to be able to laugh about this. One of my biggest things was I thought my whole life was just going to be, oh, my gosh, I'm addicted to porn all day. Oh, you know, I'm just trying to No, Right. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be some hard parts about this. I'm sure. not saying it's easy, but it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it when you come out on that other side. And the other part about it is, is that this is like it, Becca mentioned it. It's like, yes, this is our business. Like this is what we focus on. But this is not our lives. We're not just like, oh my goodness, we have to think about porn all the time. And th this is a thing like it's in the past, right? And we can move on. We that's can live right. our lives. We'd be happy. And it's yeah. not uh, this thing that's just nagging and us at all the time. Like there's things like we go over in our team vulnerable course. There's things that we have implemented and put into place, you know, to continue having those vulnerable conversations and to continue checking in with each other. But it's become so like natural at this point it's not these hard things it's hard ramping up at first but once you open that door to vulnerability and having these conversations becomes a ritual for you guys it's it is just life-changing yeah. for yep. your relationship and for your marriage and we just want to share that that hope with our with our course yeah so the best way to get more info we just made some intro videos a webinar for anyone who's interested it's teamvulnerable.com and if you watch that it's going to give you a really good idea of what it's all about how to go through it our process and the very first thing that we give you is a guideline for how to bring this up to your spouse and then we give the wives workbook of here's what you might be feeling here's what you're going through yeah. and then we jump on a call and we say, hey, what's your story? Where are you at? And we come up with that game plan for them so that way they can fight this and they can overcome this and put this thing in the past and go out and inspire that next generation. Mm, that's awesome. You beat me to it. I was just going to ask you how we can get <laughs> listeners and watchers in touch with you guys because the, the question is, I don't want at the end of this is to go, okay, that was great. Now what? That's right. your yeah. now what? Um, and I'm not going to take my promo code because I don't get paid for it anyway. You have a promo code. Um, so we're going to get that information on the show notes as well. Um, get Covenant Eyes. Uh, listen, it's a 30-day free trial. Check it out. You, there's nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to mm -hmm. Team Vulnerable. Check it out. Um, Guys, I want to thank you so much. I, I am mm. so encouraged after hearing so many stories every day of how porn is destroying lives to know mm. that there is hope at the end of this. And um, so thank you for being vulnerable. That mm. was a pun. Uh, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for uh, joining us today and, and for just being transparent and sharing some really tough stuff to help others because mm -hmm. everybody out there knows of somebody if they're not struggling with it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that we will have you guys back on um, because this is this problem's not going to go away anytime soon. And um, 
we want to send people to you guys uh, also to get some help. So thank you both, um, Emmanuel and thank Becca, you. for sharing for your story. Me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm.